Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Friday, April 29th, and this is episode number 113. My name is Justin Hune. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. Okay, end to another exciting week in the uranium space and in the markets in general. Markets are quite frothy. Uh, Nobody wanting to be long the S&P going into the weekend. Um, We have the Fed meeting coming up next week. Uh, It's just a frothy time in the markets, and uranium actually is doing a decent job, all things considered, even though we did close the day down We didn't close at the lows of the day or the week, but I'm going to show you when we go over the charts, a couple of things that I'm seeing that I think are noteworthy in terms of correlation to the broad markets. Um, I do have a couple of pieces of news that I want to talk about in the mailbag section and also wanted to remind everyone, uh, if you are a Uranium Insider Pro member, you will be receiving the May monthly newsletter on uh, Tuesday the 3rd, that is next Tuesday, we'll be issuing that uh, May newsletter. And there's a lot to discuss. And I'm going to talk about a couple of those bullet points also in the mailbag section. Um, All right. So why don't we go ahead and jump right into it. Spot price actually of uranium up today. Uh, In fact, it just jumped up about five minutes before I started recording here. We're now sitting at about 53, just over 53.50 a pound mid-market uh, about, excuse me, 53.75 a pound mid-market. That's up over a dollar. Um, nice to see a little bit of action come into the spot market after it got smacked down pretty hard at the end of last week. Um, I've mentioned that repeatedly. If this is the first episode that you've seen of the Uranium Market Minute, then I'll repeat this briefly. But I did mention uh, there's frequently month-end shenanigans that go on in the spot market because there are traders, uh, uranium traders that have forward month uh, pricing on their offtakes from producers that are based upon the month end closing price. So when the conditions are right, and in this case, we had uh, we had a full on risk off environment across commodities. This is last Friday. We also had sput basically almost out of cash, not raising cash and not really much of buying pressure whatsoever in the spot market. Therefore, the market was ripe for manipulation. And we did see the prices get smacked down pretty substantially at the end of last week. We also heard about some issues with shipping uh, uranium that was held on shipments coming from Russia, where traders were not sure about the future of that material and selling that off into the market. That's unconfirmed. It was something that we were hearing. Either way, the price got smacked down. It actually, uh, last week, was the steepest one-week decline in over 30 years in the spot market for uranium in terms of percentage. So that was a pretty big smackdown. But honestly, all things considered, uh, uranium is holding up relatively well, even with that smackdown here. And perhaps we needed a little bit of a reset um, as we came into the news yesterday about the SPUT uh, NYSE listing getting rejected by the SEC. Um, I have a a really interesting thought around this that I'm also going to share in the mailbag section. Okay, spot prices up. Sput did not raise any capital, but they did actually buy 100,000 pounds of uranium. Actually surprised to see them do that because they're now down to uh, 22.6 million in cash. It's around less than 1% of their NAV. Um, We expected them to hold on to a bit more cash. I don't think they will be going using any more of that cash for buying uranium. So possibly 
they are confident about flows coming in going forward here in order to continue to draw that cash down. So going over, let's see, the physical trust now, they hold 55.5 million pounds. Now that they add another 100,000 pounds yesterday, 55.5 million pounds. Uh, their NAV now sits at just below 3 billion, 2.93 billion. That's about 500 million decline just over the last week and a half because of the decline in the U308 price. Significant. Sputs, uh 2022 year-to-date total, 14.2 million pounds purchased, 748.6 million in new capital raised. And they have been out of the market in terms of raising new capital for 13 consecutive trading days. Uh, it's almost three weeks. Significant. Yesterday, they closed out a 2.72% discount to the net asset value. I believe the trust actually closed in the green today, but spot was up. Likely they did not issue any new shares into the market or raise any new cash. Uh, going over the ETFs, uh, let's see here. URA or URNM, they both reported no change in outstanding shares. So despite the sell-off, we're seeing very little change in outstanding shares, which means that the selling of the past couple of weeks has not been coming from uh, the ETFs themselves. Therefore, the selling pressure on the ETFs has not been uh, leading to this sell-off. When the ETFs get selling pressure that's greater on balance than the selling pressure that's coming into their individual holdings themselves, they will trade at a discount to their net asset value. They will then sell down the holdings themselves, raise cash, buy back shares. Um, those are share redemptions. Those happen typically in bear markets or on heavily traded down days or potentially weeks. We saw a little bit of redemptions in December, a tiny amount in January. But for the most part, since this bull market started, the ETFs have on balance issued way more shares than they've redeemed. In fact, the share issuance this year to date alone between the two ETFs is three quarters of a billion dollars worth of mandated buying. And that's unbelievable that the flows continue to come into these things despite the, the trading action of the stocks, which has been uh, overall pretty flat year to date. We've gone down the first month, we went down uh, mid-February through mid-March. We had a pretty good rally. We pulled back again. Now the S&P is down, I believe about 13% on the year and we are relatively flat on the year. So uh, I'm gonna show you that in the charts. Actually, why don't we do that right now? Okay, so what I wanted to show you, this is URA um, trading down just over 2% on the day. Pretty nasty day, got rejected. Like I said, we were trading up pretty well on the day and the broad market started to turn over and there's just a lot of jitters across most markets right now um, with everything that's going on, Fed raising rates, uh, the war, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to show you this chart again. I did bring this up the other day. This is URA as it trades relative to the S&P. You can see we actually closed in the green today relative to the S&P. And if we zoom out, we can see that this trend is firmly established here. We are above the rising 200-day moving average on this relative chart. And uh, this looks like a bullish chart. It looks like we are making a higher low in terms of uranium trading relative to the S&P. It's like, all right, great, Justin. Well, uh, even though I'm down less than the S&P, I'm still down. Yeah, I get it. But what we're talking about here is um, when, when markets are churning and they're chopping, um, if you actually zoom out, we are looking for something to outperform the broad indices. And if we look at the weekly chart of this relative chart, it's even more striking. You can see essentially since its inception, URA has underperformed the broad market. Um, of course, its inception was in 2010, 
So this is just a few years into the recovery uh, uh, of the broad markets after the great financial uh, recession uh, of 2008. And so now we are in the early, early innings of this outperformance of the broad markets. And we have a long ways to go in this. And everything is setting up, in my opinion, for a very strong, uh, broad, uh, very strong bull market for most commodities and uranium, especially because I believe that we are going to be an outperformer amongst most commodities. Let's look at the daily chart here of the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust. Like I said, it did trade up 0.54% uh, green on the day. Had some dip buyers come in, probably a better looking chart um, relative to most other charts in the space. Cameco traded down 2.2% today. Um, did not close at the lows of the week, so that's a positive thing. Cameco's Q1 conference call is next week. We look forward to listening in on that to hear some insights from the guys at Cameco. All right, so mailbag section. I had a question come in to me about um, the United States Department of Energy, in particular, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm. She was speaking um, on Capitol Hill yesterday, and there were a couple of questions around interpreting what she had to say um, and how important that is. Okay, so basically, it's clear that the Biden administration understands the energy pinch here. Uh, we're now in the critical importance of energy security stage, and it's come to the forefront particularly with the proposed bans on importation of Russian energy products. And that obviously is not just in the United States. There was news today that Germany has come out in support of the EU banning Russian uranium products. Um, although that's a relatively easy thing for Germany to say, because they now have only three operating reactors, which still, still now are set to close down at the end of this year. Whether or not they reverse course on that is yet to be seen. I'm not holding my breath on that one, although I, I can't think of anything that's ever been more obvious than is a no-brainer move for the country of Germany to not only keep those three online, but to restart the three they just closed in December that have yet to be decommissioned and are perfectly capable of restarting. What else did we hear today? Gavin Newsom, our hero governor of California, uh, spoke to the, I believe it was the LA Times, it might've been the New York Times, I apologize, I don't have that right off the top of my head here. Either way, he is saying that he is going to seek funding, uh, supportive funding from the DOE for uh, to keep Diablo Canyon, the last operating nuclear reactor in the state of California, online. This is set to be decommissioned uh, starting next year against um, all logic. And there, has been, there have been some very, very sharp, very hardworking proponents of nuclear most importantly, that would be Michael Schellenberger, who actually is running for governor of California, and, um, and Mark Nelson. Uh, these two have been advocates for keeping this plant online. And while this isn't confirmed that it will stay online, the fact that the governor is stating this, um, unless it's an obvious political move, he's up for re-election, of course, at the same time, and energy prices in California are going through the roof. I just paid my electricity bill yesterday. It was extremely high. We have not been using the air conditioning. Um, so, and, and gas prices are through the roof. It's, it's, it's necessary for them to keep Diablo Canyon online, but the political agenda in this state is um, absurd to say the least. And that is a surprise to hear him say that. So if California keeps Diablo Canyon online, uh, not only does that change slightly, 
you know, supply and demand forecast, right? So we're, we're, that's demand that nobody was pricing in that Diablo Canyon get extended. Nobody, maybe the high case uh, uh, from the WNA would consider something like that. But um, so that would be additional demand for uranium, of course, if they do extend that. Uh, but most importantly, that's a major, major signal to the global markets that if California is willing to keep this reactor online and recognize its importance and the importance of clean energy coming from nuclear, um, there's nobody has any excuse to shut down, to prematurely shut down a reactor that's operating safely. So that, that would be a really big deal. Okay, back to Jennifer, Jennifer Granholm, uh, Biden's Secretary of Energy. So basically, uh, she just came out saying that they are even they are even reconsidering the strategic strategic uranium reserve in the United States. This is something that was proposed by uh, Trump's nuclear fuel working group that came as a result of the Section 232 petition that was put forth by Energy Fuels and UR Energy. Um, this working group came up with they they basically denied the request for. Um, for uh, mandated buying coming from the U.S. utilities from uh, domestic producers. That was the proposal, was 20% of needs of the nuclear fleet in the U.S. to be purchased from uh, domestic miners. That was denied. Uh, quotas, excuse me, that's the word I was searching for. They denied the quota proposal, but they did recommend that the government in the United States establish a strategic uranium reserve and purchase that uranium only from domestic miners. The U.S. DOE is reconsidering that and reconsidering uh, is considering utilizing funding from the latest budget to uh, establish and start to build that strategic uranium reserve. Uh, that's in addition to the six billion in funding that has been confirmed for uh, aiding nuclear reactors that are on the edge of profitability and would be threatened to shut down because of that economic viability. So the U.S. as the largest nuclear fleet in the world, and I'm not talking about that just because I'm in the U.S. and it's the largest investing market, it's the largest nuclear fleet in the market. So the way that the U.S. Um, acts in, re in relation to nuclear power is something that the global stage will be, uh, the, global, the global community essentially will be watching. So that's a really big deal. And of course, we're going to get more detailed into that into in our upcoming May newsletter. So I wanted to let you know about some topics we are going to cover. I'm not going to give you details on these topics, but just bullet points to let you know what types of uh, what types of fundamental developments we are going to be discussing in this month's newsletter. SMRs, a thorough discussion on them, why we're so bullish and how we're playing it. Um, SMRs are very, very exciting here. Um, the, the, the SMR stands for small modular reactor. If you're new to this space, um, this is a technology uh, or a, a type of technology that is being embraced and is very exciting. Um, it's being embraced by a number of countries around the world. And this is something that everybody is watching and we're very, very excited about that. And there's a lot of de developments on that front that we're gonna be talking about in the newsletter. Uh, two, we're going to review the WNA Nuclear Fuel Conference. So we attended this digitally. This was uh, two days ago. It was held in London. I wish we could have gone in person, but uh, schedules did not allow. A lot of very interesting insights came from this conference, and we're going to detail those out in the newsletter. Um, we're going to go into the recent sharp sector sell-off, um, how to think about it, how to play it. Um, there's a lot of uh, reasons for this sell-off and reasons why we are not actually all that concerned about it and what we are doing about it um, for the continuing ramifications of the sector of Russian bans. 
this is a really big deal. Um, we continue to see more and more language come out of multiple governments, not only the US, but uh, across the EU. So, and, and the war in the Ukraine, um, unfortunately continues and seems to be escalating. I don't think we are going to be going back to how things were in January, potentially ever again. And uh, I think that whatever implications uh, that are on Russian uranium currently and are potentially going to escalate are likely to stick potentially for a very long time as we shift away from this uh, sort of globalism towards nationalism. Um, and lastly, uh, we're going to review all of our focus list positions as we do every month. So um, whether I don't, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this, if you're not a member, um, we have a focus list of positions. That's currently 11 positions. Uh, one of those is a, uh, an options trade that actually has outperformed much of the sector during this sell-off. Uh, we have a very intelligently structured options trade that is uh, significantly outperforming the underlying common stock. And that's what we're looking for is uh, low risk leverage through these options trades. And that's something that we will continue to uh, trade in and out of during this bull market, regardless of whether or not we are holding for the long term, the equities that we hold, the options trades obviously have expiration. So uh, that'll dump some cash into our account at some point, and that will be uh, reutilized probably in another options trade. So that's something that we like to add as a bit of a value add to our members. All right, so if you are not a member and you are interested in the description below, you can click a link to get a free sample of a previous month's newsletter and uh, get an idea about the type of content we put out. If you do appreciate these videos, please like the video, share it around, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and you'll be reminded whenever we publish a new episode, which is almost every day. I hope that you all have a great weekend and we will see you again next week. Cheers.